0: Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News, Russia-Ukraine war podcast. The show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. With your host, Linnea Hubbard. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. I'm Linnea Hubbard and today is still April 18th, 2023. In part one of today's report, we covered regional and theater-wide updates. Here in Part 2, we'll take a deeper dive into what's up with the Russian military, war crimes, and geopolitical and economic news. Speaking of dives, let's start with the Russian military, mobilization, and Mir. Tass reported that Russian President Vladimir Putin traveled to Henichesk in Kherson after attending midnight mass at the Moscow Christ the Savior Cathedral and meeting with Chinese Minister of Defense Li Shanfu on Orthodox Easter Sunday at the Kremlin. A staged video showed Putin exiting a helicopter and being greeted by the Russian VDV commander, Colonel General Teplinsky, and group commander, Colonel General Makarevich. During a briefing on Monday, Putin said, quote, I don't want to distract you from your direct duties related to command and control, so we are working here in a businesslike manner. Briefly, but concretely. End quote. Tentative geolocation does put the Russian leader in Henichesk, just over the border of Russian-occupied Crimea. In our assessment, we find it highly unlikely Putin flew to the location, as he is infamously fearful of flying due to the risk of sabotage or being shot down. From Kherson, Tats reported that Putin visited the headquarters of the Vostok-Roskvardia in the self-declared Luhansk People's Republic, or LNR. Colonel General Alexander Lapin provided the Russian leader with a briefing on the situation. It is the first time that Putin has visited the LNR. The military commissar of Moscow, Maxim Loktev, said that during the spring draft, the electronic subpoena system would be tested through the state services portal and by SMS text message, adding, quote, "...as for the rest, the current legislation has not changed." The procedure for sending citizens to military service has remained the same, and I think we will conduct this campaign quite calmly. End quote. The Kremlin originally claimed that conscription by app and text wouldn't start until the fall conscription cycle. Loktiv also said that spring conscripts would not be sent for military service to the LNR, the self-declared Donetsk People's Republic, or DNR, occupied Zaporizhia, or Kherson. Quote, I want to note right away Citizens called up for military service in the Spring Conscription Campaign 2023 will not be sent. End quote. The same assurances were made before the Russia Ukraine war escalated on February 24, 2022, and during the Fall 2022 conscription cycle. A court in Croatia has denied political refugee status and international protection to five natives of Chechnya who claim to have fled from being sent to fight in Ukraine. The group was detained in early November and is currently being held in a migrant center where their future is uncertain. At the time of their detention, they told Croatian officials they were in transit to another undetermined European country. Since the establishment of the so-called Don't Say War laws in March 2022, Russia has issued fines equivalent to 151.2 million rubles to citizens convicted of discrediting the Russian Federation Armed Forces— according to MediaZona. A total of 5,622 cases were processed, with 4,439 resulting in fines, including 15 government officials and 8 business entities. Fines over 100,000 rubles were issued 134 times. Since the start of 2023, another 1,000 cases have been brought forward to Russian courts, with 502 moving forward with prosecution. Since the start of 2023, another 1,000 cases have been brought forward to Russian courts, including our favorite FSB Colonel Gyrkin, with 502 moving forward with prosecution. In Russian-occupied Crimea, recruiting advertisements for PMC Wagner have started to be taken down. It's unclear if this is simply because the ad campaign has ended, a decision by PMC Wagner, or a directive from the Kremlin. A report claimed that Russia only has a dozen working AN-124 transport aircraft, with three more stuck in Germany. In February 2022, the Russian VKS had 25 AN-124s in inventory, but only eight were airworthy. Another 11 are in a civilian configuration with the Volga-Dnieper airline, but only five were in Russia when sanctions stopped foreign air operations. The AN-124 is derisively called the C-5 ski by U.S. Air Force pilots as it copies many features of the mammoth cargo plane. In Irkutsk, another large cemetery for PMC Wagner mercenaries has appeared with 20 trenches pre-dug at the rapidly expanding graveyard. The ground is still partially frozen, with a video showing the soil being heated, creating clouds of eerie steam across the landscape. When there is an absence of intelligence in an area where we know there is fighting, we, and by we I mean our map editors, use terrain analysis to predict where the line of conflict is. This methodology dramatically improved our map accuracy starting in August. But for this to work, our team makes some baseline assumptions. For example, no one would set up a defensive position in the middle of an indefensible field because indefensible, well, the Russian Ministry of Defense said, hold my vodka. And watch this. Video shows Russian trenches and a bunker in the middle of an indefensible field. This is not hyperbole. There is not a bit of natural cover. From kilometers away, one can see everything, everywhere, all at once. Surprising exactly two people, the exposed defensive position was destroyed by a Ukrainian ATGM. All is going to plan. In our War Crimes and Human Rights segment, we discuss events that might be upsetting to hear about. There is no graphic detail in today's report, but please feel free to skip ahead to the next segment. Timestamps are in the description. The head of the Odessa Regional Council, Grigory Dedenko, was civilly convicted of violating the Ukrainian language law. During a public meeting, a frustrated Didenko, in a heated argument about the expulsion of volunteers from the Chernomori communal publishing house defiantly spoke Russian and switched back to Ukrainian after a remark. The violation was recorded by Taras Kremin, commissioner for the protection of the state language. The case was referred to the head of the regional council, who drew up paperwork for the administrative violation. Russian oppositionist Vladimir Karamurza was sentenced to 25 years in prison for, quote, treason and allegedly spreading, quote, fakes about the Russian army. Karamurza defiantly declared, quote, Russia will be free, tell everyone, end quote. He has been poisoned twice for his opposition views of Russian President Putin, almost dying in 2017. In April 2022, he was arrested, and last week when he was convicted, Karamurza declared, quote, I know that the day will come when the darkness engulfing our country will clear. Our society will open its eyes and shudder when it realizes what crimes were committed in its name. End quote. Lynn Tracy, U.S. Ambassador to Russia, was permitted to visit detained Wall Street Journal reporter Evan Gershkovich, who was arrested on March 29th on espionage charges. Ambassador Tracy wrote on Twitter, quote, I visited WSJ's reporter Evan Gershkovich today at Lefortovo prison, the first time we've been permitted access to him since his wrongful detention more than two weeks ago. He is in good health and remains strong. We reiterate our call for his immediate release. End quote. The FSB arrested Gershkovich in the Yekaterinburg region of Russia, which is the heartland of its weapons production capabilities. The Wall Street Journal, the U.S. State Department, and Gershkovich's legal representatives vehemently deny the claims that he was acting as a spy. Russian state media released its first photo of Gershkovich during an appearance in a Moscow courtroom. In a brief video, the Wall Street Journal's reporter had clear bruise marks on one of his wrists. A quick note. The entire team at Malcontent News stands with Evan Gershkovich and our extended family of journalists with the Wall Street Journal, its parent company News Corp., and all journalists illegally detained around the world. We join the U.S. State Department and leadership of the Wall Street Journal in calling for the immediate release of Gershkovich and his repatriation. Russian state media reported that up to 640 children from Russian-occupied Volnovacha will be taken to the Yubilani camp in Krasnodar region for, quote, the summer. Historically, Children in the occupied territory sent to Russian camps were not returned to their families. In Enerhodar, Russian forces have begun forcibly evacuating Ukrainian children to Crimea before transferring them to Russia. An Enerhodam official said the children are being transported on buses meant for the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, adding that, including the theft of the children and the kindergarten facilities, the buses staff used to get to work are also being taken. PMC Wagner mercenary commanders who have since completed their contracts claimed in interviews to have executed civilians, including children, in Solidar and Bakhmut. Among the claims are teenagers as young as 15 were executed because they had Ukrainian-oriented tattoos. Azamat Uldarov, a former prisoner from the Saratov VK-13, and Oleksiy Savichev, a former prisoner from the Voronezh VK-1, told Gulag.net that PMC Wagner leader Yevgeny Prigozhin personally gave the order to execute civilians and approved of Wagner's brutality. Savichev claims that after the February POW exchange in the Bakhmut region and Ukraine and Russia ordered journalists out of the city, he and his colleagues were ordered to sit in an ambush. He claims, quote, peaceful residents were leaving, and there was an order, anyone who is 15 and older. All of them should be shot at once without words, end quote. Uldurov made more extreme claims, including the execution of a five-year-old, and that he, quote, mopped up the basement of a nine-story apartment building in Bakhmut, where there were three to four hundred civilians, 40 of whom were children. He added that he, quote, had no choice and had the order to kill everyone. He claims that the incident occurred in Bakhmut in March 2023. It is worth noting that during the 77-minute-long interview shared on gulag.net, Uldarov was heavily intoxicated and continued drinking. Some assessment. Russian troops and their proxies have committed over 9,000 documented war crimes. Our analyst team is skeptical of claims made by Uldarov, as the execution of three to 400 civilians in a slow, grinding battle in Bakhmut would be almost impossible to conceal let alone be contained in a relatively small space. For perspective, the claim suggests that in a single incident, three to eight percent of the remaining civilian population in Bakhmut were killed in a matter of minutes and went completely undetected. Other claims made by the pair have more veracity. Uldarov's claims became distorted as he got increasingly drunk. Only time and Ukrainian victory will reveal the truth, as the victor writes the history. Moving three to 400 bodies undetected under current battlefield conditions in Bakhmut would be impossible. Uldrov expressed a desire to return to the battlefield. While making such claims seems counterintuitive, for many in Russia, 20 years of propaganda has made Ukrainians subhuman, and the claim of mass murder would be celebrated, not derided. The Ukrainian Prosecutor General's Office released a statement taking a balanced position, saying, quote, One of the telegram channels posted an interview with members of the so called PMC Wagner, during which they reported the killing of civilians, including children, as well as prisoners of war of Ukraine's armed forces. The Unified Register of Pre Trial Investigations registered the facts under Article 438 of the Criminal Code of Ukraine violation of the laws and customs of war. The circumstances mentioned in the interview will be checked as part of the investigation of criminal proceedings, and they will be given an appropriate legal assessment. Quote. Unrelated to yesterday's video, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland announced the appointment of a prosecutor to the International Center for the Prosecution of the Crime of Aggression Against Ukraine and a legal advisor to the U.S. Embassy in Kyiv to provide aid to the Ukrainian government during ongoing war crimes investigation and prosecution. Garland reported the prosecutor would be assigned to The Hague at the European Union Agency for Criminal Justice to, quote, provide access to the significant departmental resources that we have deployed in response to this crisis, end quote. Eighty-six percent of Ukrainian soldiers who were in Russian captivity were subjected to physical torture, according to the Ukrainian Commissioner for Human Rights of the Verkhovna Rada, Dmitry Lubinets, who said, quote, After each return of heroes and heroines from captivity, we conduct surveys. Psychologists, doctors, and rehabilitators work. We open proceedings against each one and record facts that confirm the indecent treatment of prisoners of war. Last month, a study by the United Nations reached a similar conclusion and reported that the torture of Ukrainian POWs was systemic throughout the Russian Federation. The truth matters, and the United Nations leveled similar allegations against Ukrainian forces. But the report added that the maltreatment was not systemic and rarely happened once a Russian POW was transferred to detention from the field. G.U.R. head Budinov said that Ukrainian intelligence knows the name of the military man who decapitated a live Ukrainian POW. Budinov added that most identified murderers and torturers of Ukrainian nationals, quote, no longer exist. Online, the phrase Ukrainian Mossad has taken hold. Quick sidebar. The Mossad is the intelligence service of Israel, considered to be one of the most powerful and effective intelligence agencies in the world. In geopolitical news, the United States appears poised to provide Turkey with upgraded F-16 fighter planes, ending a years-long dispute between Washington and Ankara. The United States originally barred the purchase of F-35 aircraft because Turkey had purchased and deployed Russian S-400 anti-aircraft systems, and Washington saw the sale as a security risk. The release of the F-16s is seen as a compromise to end the blockade of Sweden's application to join NATO. With the pending transfer of F-16s, the Turkish parliament is widely expected to approve Sweden's accession after national elections. Ukrainian Minister of Defense Alexei Reznikov issued an apology for comparing combat losses in Ukraine to those killed in Turkey from the earthquakes that devastated areas near the Syrian border. Ukrainians and Turks both took offense to Reznikov's comment when he said that Ukrainian combat losses are lower than the number of people killed by the earthquakes that ravaged its Black Sea neighbor. Fighting between once-aligned, now-rival factions in Sudan entered the third day, with heavy fighting between the Sudanese army and the PMC-Wagner-aligned Rapid Support Force in the capital of Khartoum. The United Nations reported almost 200 have been confirmed killed and over 1,800 wounded as fighting expanded across the Egyptian-aligned war-torn country. Army Chief Abd al-Fatah al burhan currently heads the junta, which was installed in 2021 and was supposed to transition to a democratically ruled government. Al-Burhan replaced Omar al-Bashir, who was overthrown in 2019 during mass protests, convicted in 2020 on charges of corruption, and transferred to The Hague on an international criminal court warrant in 2021 to face war crime charges stemming from his violent 1989 ascendancy to power. Al-Burhan's former Deputy Rapid Support Force, or RSF, mercenary leader, General Mohammed Hamdan Dakhlo, also known as Hemidi, is now fighting to overthrow his former leader. Moscow's appeal for an immediate ceasefire has been ignored as the worst fighting since 1989 rages, putting millions of civilians at risk for famine in the drought-stricken nation. PMC Wagner mercenaries have operated in Sudan since 2017 and have been accused of arming and training the RSF in exchange for access to Sudanese gold mines. PMC Wagner leader Prigozhin and the Kremlin have been repeatedly accused of plundering billions of dollars from the African nation. RSF mercenaries attacked the provisional government of Sudan hours after the leader of a PMC Wagner shell company was arrested on charges of corruption and gold smuggling. In economic news, Slovakia became the third EU nation to announce it would embargo Ukrainian grain and food imports, joining Poland and Hungary. Farmers in all three nations have complained that Ukrainian imports are depressing regional prices. Following three days of meetings in Japan, the G7 nations confirmed their intention to continue tough anti-Russian sanctions in support of Ukraine and would maintain the $60-a-barrel crude oil price cap. The Group of Seven also promises to continue freezing Russian assets and work to prevent Russian circumvention of sanctions imposed against it. At the Nuclear Energy Forum in Sapporo, Japan, Great Britain, the U.S., Canada, Japan, and France created an alliance to, quote, undermine Russia's control over supply chains and drive it out of the nuclear fuel market, end quote, as soon as possible, to deprive Moscow of one of the sources of funding for the war against Ukraine. How this would be achieved was not specified, but the U.S., Canada, and Australia have significant uranium deposits. Russia continues to blockade the inspection of grain carriers as part of the Black Sea Grain Initiative, putting the entire agreement at risk. Since April 10th, the Russian contingent in the Joint Coordination Center in Istanbul has unilaterally stopped the registration of vessels submitted by Ukrainian ports for inspection. The Bank of Russia announced that it would allow the use of cryptocurrency in external settlements as an experiment. The acceptance of Bitcoin is likely an attempt to skirt banking sanctions, which is currently causing demand destruction of the ruble. And that's what we know. Join me again tomorrow for more updates. Until then, stay safe, everyone. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand?